This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. The right side of the boat. John chapter number 21 Verse number three is where we're going to begin reading today. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word. Open it to us now. Change our hearts, change our lives. And Lord, cause this congregation to rise up and become all that you want us to be. Thank you, Father, for your presence, for your spirit and your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. John chapter number 21, verse number three says this. Simon Peter said, and what wonderful words for a day like this that water's on our mind, I'm going fishing. How many of you like those words? Let's go fishing. Amen? Any fishermen in here? How many not can respond no matter what I ask? All right, all right. I'm going fishing. Well, that's pretty interesting because when he says, I'm going fishing, We'll come to is the response. How many of you have ever said that? Hey, I'm going fishing. And your buddy starts saying, you didn't invite me. Pastor Danny was talking about going fishing this week. And I was like, <clears throat> I want to come also. But really important phrases to note. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing and we'll come too." they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, and the the New Living says, fellows, I prefer the King James that says, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Got to get to the right side of the boat. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. May the Lord bless his word today. I want to talk to you about this scripture for just a few minutes today. We don't have a long time today, but I want to talk to you about what God was doing here in this passage of scripture, because in this passage of scripture, Peter is really coming to a place that he is beginning to become what God wants him to be. He's beginning to become what God's called him to be. He's beginning to break out into the life that God has now qualified him and made him eligible to walk in. He's going to begin to walk in his call upon his life. He finally has a better grasp of what God uh, can do in him and through him. And let me just stop right here with this sermon for a moment and tell you where I was yesterday as I was driving home from our missions time yesterday morning here as I was driving home and I stopped at the red light down there and I, I was just having a, a, just a myriad of feelings and struggles and things going on in my heart. And I don't know any of you ever have any struggles and things going on in your heart. Amen. And I was just feeling like a failure in a lot of ways and just really struggling spiritually with, 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 with things that the devil was throwing at me. And I, I just began to think, am I ever going to make it? Am I ever going to get past? Anybody ever been there? Help a preacher out this morning. Make me not feel like the only reprobate in the room. Amen. And I, am I ever going to make it? 
Am I ever going to succeed? And the Spirit of God spoke to me. And how many of you understand when God speaks to you, there's not condemnation in His words for you, but there's hope and there's love in those words for you. Because the Bible tells me that Jesus said, I didn't come into the world, condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. And the Spirit of God spoke to me, and this is what He spoke to me, and it just jumped in my heart. He said, son, this same Spirit that worketh in you is that Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's what the Bible says. Amen. It tells us that the power of God that's working in you is the same power that showed up and took a man who was beaten so badly, crucified so brutally, the Bible says you could not even recognize him as a man. And that same spirit that moved in that body that no longer functioned and began to stir within that body and began to bring that body back to life is the spirit that works in you that says, hey, you didn't think you could beat that. You didn't think you could overcome that. But death was no issue for me, nor will be the issues that you fight because when God works inside of you, you get ready to win because God's on your side. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. You know, I have the feeling, though, that most of us don't understand that God is really wanting to work in our lives to get us somewhere for a reason. Now, look, as we we talk about this, what God's doing, as we talk about what God's doing in our lives, a lot of people say, well, you know what, God, you've taken me as far as I can go. You think maybe you've been where you've been for 15, 20 years and that you're not going any further. Listen to me. God's not through with you yet. God's working in you. God was using John when he was in his oldest uh, time of his life as he's out on the middle of, a, of an island writing one of the most impactful scriptures that we have about the return of Jesus. God's not through with us. I was talking to a young pastor this week and encouraging another one, and I, and I started realizing that, that not only was I older, but I was much older than them. I said, this doesn't feel good. I don't like that stage of life. But then I have to understand God didn't bring you to where you are just so he could work in you. He's already done things in you. You need to pass on to others. See, God wants us to break through to the point that we can be all that he has called us to be and accomplish everything that Christ has called us to accomplish. But here's the problem. Now listen to me. We become so need motivated that we lose sight of what God has in store for us. We Get focused on our needs. We deal with our needs on three levels. I want to give them to you quickly. The first way we deal with our needs are the physical needs. How many of you are the type person who could wake up? I know you're not going to believe this looking at me, but you can wake up, and as long as you have a cup of coffee, you have to remember to eat later in the day. Anybody? I know you're going to think I'm lying, but that's really me. I, if you give me a cup of coffee in the morning, I'll remember to eat later some point in that day. But you see, God gave me a little wife who, who wakes up and the first words out of her mouth, come on now, I'm looking at her parents, you know what I'm talking about, amen. The first words out of her mouth is, it's not good morning, I love you baby, it's, I'm hungry. Part of my problem is that for the first stage of our, our marriage, I was too stingy because she'd order plate, couldn't finish. And I was like, if I paid eight bucks for that, we're going to eat it and I'd finish hers too. Amen. But as we have, as we've moved through it, I, I realized that food doesn't really, uh, uh, it's not that thing. My problem is I'm eating with her when she, she eats like five times a day. Blame it all on the wife. Come on now. That's what Adam did. Lord, it's this woman you gave me. Amen. Hey, listen, when I talk about her, it's not cool for you to go up to her and go, he talked about you. Gets me in trouble. She's not here. I can talk big. Amen. 
Air is a basic need. Water is a basic need. Climate, your comfort, is a, your overall health is a basic need. Another basic need is your social needs. I hear this all the time. I just want to be this. I, I just want a place to belong. I just want something to do. I just want to find significance. I want, I want to be accepted. I hear that need all the time. Another need is spiritual needs that we all have. Every one of us has a need to be redeemed, to be reconciled, and to have a relationship with God. We all have these basic needs, but here's the problem. Here's where our struggle comes in. We never really get all of these needs met. Something's usually out of balance. If you get all your physical needs met, then usually you've ignored maybe your spiritual needs. Amen. If you get all your spiritual needs met, usually there might be a struggle on your physical needs. And a lot of times that middle one seems to be the real thing that, that pushes and, and develops the other, that, those emotional needs. Do you, do you really feel like you're becoming somebody? Do you really feel like the people around you value you? I'm preaching truth now. And the problem occurs that as we begin to adjust our life, as we begin to make adjustments to try to get our needs met, the problem occurs when we feel like those areas are not properly covered and we make wrong choices to try to make adjustments. You see, the way we adjust that causes most of the problems that we face. You see, if I'm feeling unloved and so I try to meet it in a physical way, it causes an issue. If I'm feeling unloved and the only thing that makes me feel love is a tub of, uh, 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 of cookie dough ice cream, I'm trying to give you a, a valid point here. You're not, do, you're not making the right adjustment. If you don't feel your spiritual needs are being met and you start trying to compensate it with somewhere that just stimulates your, your mind and your emotions, because pe- people will go in. That's why TV preachers make millions. They can make you feel better about yourself. See, I can say that I've been preaching on TV for 10 years and never made a dime off of it. Our board of elders come to me regularly and say, Pastor, everybody else asked for support. You won't ask for a dime. And I said, I said, no, not yet. God's met the need. Amen. But they'll stir with your emotions. They'll look at that person who's beat up and down, can't even hardly move and start talking about their 777 seed. Come on now. They're stirring with an emotion. And when you get things out of order in your life, the way that you make adjustments determines your attitudes, your beliefs, and your values. This is what God's been speaking in my spirit. Your position will control your condition. You see, the way you adjust determines where you stand in the boat of life. And if you adjust, it will affect your character, it will affect your temperament, It will affect your mood. It will affect your relationships. It will affect your behavior. And it will affect your lifestyle choices. Amen. We find Peter at the Sea of Galilee at a critical point in his life. He is at the point to decide, will he live on the right side or the left side of the boat? Where will he live? Now, I love what Simon Peter says here because it it reverberates with what I've said so many times myself. Simon Peter's response here when he comes to the critical point of adjustment, he, he, he's totally out of order in his life and his, and his response is so profound. Are you ready for it? I'm going out to fish. Powerful, right? Nobody shouted. 
I'm going out to fish. Seemingly harmless enough, right? Hey, I'm, I'm going fishing. But the problem is, Peter is at a place where his life is, he, nothing's right. He's failed the only one that's ever really loved him. He's messed up in his, his, his physical needs. His job has gone to pot while he's been running around for three and a half years trying to follow the Messiah. His wife doesn't even have to know him anymore. And his answer is, listen to it, I'm going fishing. Some of you feel like you're married to somebody like that. Instead of dealing with a problem, their answer is, let's take a vacation. The problem is, Peter, instead of adjusting to the plan of God, Peter is entering into a point of disconnect. Peter has seen the risen Savior at this point. But even greater, listen to me, even greater than Christ's glory screams Peter's failure. He doesn't know if he'll even be welcomed by the Lord again, even though Jesus, according to the Scripture, has taken a private moment. A lot of people don't see this one Scripture that says, before he met with the other disciples, he spoke to Peter. Jesus has already had a talk with him. And all he can hear is not the, or see is the glory of, of the risen Savior. All he can see is how he looked when he denied him. Instead of hearing his words of hope, I am alive, all he can hear is this is how I failed him. So his response, instead of dealing with truth, well, I'll just go fishing. You see, the men that Jesus had walked with had watched him die. And now that he was alive, they really didn't know what that meant. And the problem was, they were on the wrong side of the boat. They were in the wrong position, and it was affecting their condition. You see, they had tasted God's way. They had experienced his power, but they had not completely sold out. They still held that over him, saying, hey, I can just go fishing. Let me reword it for you. I can go back to my old ways. I don't have to serve Jesus. You see, as long as you try to hold on to yesterday, you'll never be able to walk where God wants you to walk because you can't pull a life of sin and struggles into a life of victory in Christ. Some of you are wondering why you can't get where God's called you to go. It's because you're so busy trying to carry along all the burdens and all the struggles and all the pain instead of letting the one who called out, let me heal you and deliver you. Preaching the word you need right now. You hold out. Let me rephrase this. Some of you have done it in marriage. Hey, if you ever do this, I'm out of here. Some of you have done it on your job. I can take anything but that. I'll remember one day I was about to leave a job in anger and, and, and my dad said to me, he said, son, he said, don't you leave a job in anger. He said, you stay until it's right. And I said, I can't. He said, you will. And I did. And before I left, they were, do you want the company? You should always drop your escape route because the escape route allows room for compromise to flow into your life. I believe one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, and I can't believe that the, the location of it, one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, John 6, 6, 6. It's John 6, 66. 
I said, that's pretty, that's a pretty bad. They, they put in my, one of my first cell phone numbers was like, uh, 0666. And I had to have it changed because the staff had a joke. If you want to talk to the pastor, call the mark of the beast. Amen. John 666 says, at this point, notice this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They left. At this point, they said, we've had enough. We can still go back. Jesus turns around and he says, hey, are you going to leave me too? Are you going? He says to the 12, are you about to leave me? Jesus at this broken point in his, in his ministry, he's hurting. People are abandoning him. He's seeing them choose the world over him. But those who said, where else can we go? The only way you're going to get back on the right side of the boat where you belong is to say, I don't have anywhere else to go to. I have tasted of the life of Jesus Christ, and I'm not going back. I'm not turning around. I will stay no matter what. This is the kind of thing that takes people that that don't even feel welcome in God's house because everybody knows their sin and plants them right where God wants them to be and they become a tree that's strong and healthy. Why? Because they say, look, you can judge me all you want, but he's loved me and I'm not going anywhere else. Amen. You see, many of his disciples had to go out to fish. We live in a day of great facades. People all around us smiling, trying to cover up yesterday's hangovers, pour out today's complaints. We can smile and fool everyone, but you should realize that God sees past the smoke and mirrors to who you really are. And the reason that many people can never really have a breakthrough is they still have their fishing rod in their hand. We need to throw down our tackle box and our fishing gear and take up our cross daily and say there is no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, I cannot turn back in Jesus' name. Amen. There has to come a point. There is no option of escape. Sort of like when I watch people go on mission trips since their first flight ever, you can see them. They're looking at the door. They're looking at the door. But there's a point when that... Well, those wheels leave that, that runway. It's over there, big boy. Come on now. Amen. You're not getting to that door because it'll kill us all. There is no more option. You're going where you're going. Amen. Now, here's the problem. How many understand that if you keep an option out, it will cause other people to keep an option out? Listen to what Peter said. Peter said, well, I'm just going back fishing. And the Bible says, the other disciples said also, we'll come too. Wow. We'll come too. That may not speak to you the way that it spoke to me, but it really ministered to me because Peter's compromise, his retreat was mirrored in those who followed him. Just as one man can break a line of advancing troops, so another can rally them over to victory by never giving up. There's somebody in your life who's waiting for you to say, there is no other option. There's somebody in your life, listen to me now, who have, may have seen you fail greatly. I feel this. 
That the next time you're, you're hammered right between the eyes and you don't know what to do, they need to see you plant your feet and say, hey, I may have messed up, but I'm not going back. He still loved me then. He still loves me now. And I'm not giving up. Amen. Because you turn tail and run, and boy, they'll run like crazy. Could you imagine what would happen if the person you trusted in when you were a kid walking through the dark was more scared of the dark than you were? I used to believe my dad hated me. Boy, go out and get some firewood in the night. It wasn't but 15 feet. But 15 feet of darkness. I knew there was something waiting behind the fire pile, coming out of the firewood pile, and it was going to drag me in through the night. Nobody here ever suffered with anything like that, did you? No. I didn't want to go out in the dark. My kids apparently picked that up. I'm not as loving as my mom was. My mom was, she'd stand at the door. My kids, I'll say, pop the door open. I can hear you scream. There's something about that, that 12 feet to where we park our cars when they've forgotten something they need for school and they got to go get it. Pop the door. I, I can hear you if there's a problem. But could you imagine if I said to them, I think you're safe. Amen. Uh, okay, on the count of three, run for it. That's just wrong. I mean, it's, it's wrong. Okay. Oh, what is that? Is that a bear? <laughs> I'm really, really bad. I'm one of those people to walk along. You know, we're out, we're out like my wife takes me on one of those torturous walks through the woods. I think they call them hikes. But anyways, uh, and we're out there and I'll be walking along. I don't want to be there. And just for fun, I'll be like, snake! And they all scream and run off, you know? There's not really one there. But anyways, could you imagine that? that it, it would destroy their, their, their confidence. Now that seems silly to go off on that, diverge in that way, but somebody needs to hear what I've come to tell you. There are people watching you and your faith, and if you're sitting there going, I don't know if we're going to make it, I don't know if we're going to survive, they're, they're going to say, that's right, that's right, we might as well go back. I'm preaching now. Time for you to stand up and declare who you are in Christ. I love what Jesus does. They're all on the wrong side of the boat. They can't catch any fish. He shows up, and I love what he says to them. He says, friends, have you any fish? Let's, let's talk about that for just a brief second. They're on the wrong side of the boat. They're not walking where they're supposed to be walking. And Jesus says, friend. He declares their position because he knows their position will change their condition. You see, the problem is Jesus sees you for who you can become. Jesus sees you for what you can do. Jesus sees you for what he's destined you for. Jesus sees you for what he's called you from before time for. And we're standing over here going, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed. And Jesus says, hey, 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 I'm not looking at your condition. I'm looking at your who you are. And you are a chosen child of God. And he says, hey, my friend. Listen to what he says. Have you caught anything? Let me translate that for you. How's it working out for you on the wrong side of the boat? Have you caught anything? No. Is their response. What does his answer say? Are you ready for this? 
He doesn't say, fall down and pray that maybe I'll still love you. He doesn't say, 50 lashes for you. That's what we want to hear. I love what he says. You ready for this? Change your position. He says, hey, move to the right side of the boat. Now look, I don't know how big this boat was. It had to be pretty big to have 12 guys on it. But move over. Not that far. Woo, that'll preach. Your victory is not as far away as you thought. It's all about where you stand. He didn't change who they were before he changed where they were. That's where you've got to come to in your life. And I'm going to close with this. You've got to come to the place to where you make your decision. I may not be perfect, but I'm his and he's mine. And that's not going to change. Two voices crying out to you. The first voice is the voice of the enemy that says, let's just go fishing. We're going back. I'll compromise what I believe. I'll compromise my hope. I'll compromise my commitments to Christ. I'll go live in the world again. It usually comes in the form of the things he delivered you from trying to get you back. Amen. But listen to what Jesus says after he changes their position. Again, he doesn't say 50 lashes for you. The first thing he says is come and die. Come eat with me. I have prepared what you need. How amazing. After he has refreshed Peter, Peter's position is restored. He takes Peter on a walk and there's still no 50 lashes for you. He gives him the opportunity in his new position to re, reclaim the, the opportunity for he failed three times, he declared three times. You see, a lot of you are saying, if I could ever get past what moved me to the wrong side of the boat, I'll go back to the right side of the boat. And Jesus is saying, no, wrong method. Get on the right side, cut the string that'll take you back, and make the decision you're going to take what God has for you. Is this making sense to anybody? And allow God, allow God to refresh you, restore you, and then He will give you the opportunities to become what he's called you to be. Stand with me if you want. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8:15, 9:30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Oh,